Welcome to the Urban Wine Club podcast. Pour a glass, sit back, and enjoy the show. Hey everyone, welcome to the Urban Wine Club podcast. On today's episode, we have with us Rhonda Kalman. Rhonda is a co-founder of the Boston Beer Company and founder of Boston Harbor Distillery. We sat in the barrel room of the Boston Harbor Distillery for this episode, and you'll hear all the great authentic sounds of a working distillery in progress. So sit back, grab a glass, and enjoy. <laughs> well, welcome, Rhonda. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time to come here and... Uh, and spend some time with us in our listening audience. Oh, great. Well, thank you for selecting me. Uh, of course. And uh, where, where are we right now? So we actually are at the magnificent distillery that Rhonda has created. Yep, Boston Harbor Distillery, right here in the southernmost waterfront of Boston Harbor. Very cool, very cool. And yeah. not only are we at the distillery, but we're actually in the Or in the barrel room. Barrel room. Or the rick house, or <laughs> the rack house, or... I've never seen so many barrels in my life. Yeah, they're all full. Wow. Except for that one. <laughs> so, so for all you listeners, just know that we're going to have also video where you could check it out on the website. So we'll talk about some stuff that you could visually see with the video. So Rhonda and I probably know each other for about 15 years. And, that long, uh, wow. Yeah, and, but, but Rhonda has a uh, history that goes beyond the 15 years that we've known each other. Um, we just you know, came across each other when Rhonda had a really cool, awesome uh, project with a beer that you had launched back in 2003, I think, or 2001. Uh, I launched it actually on the eve of 9-11 in oh 2001. Oh, yeah, wow. time, right. Huh? So it's very memorable time for me. I can imagine. <laughs> but uh, besides that, just tell us a little bit about who Rhonda is. Oh, well, thanks. Uh, well, I'm a mother of three. God bless you. <laughs> Married for 25 years God to the same you. guy. Wow. That's so great. <laughs> And I... You don't hear that that's too often these days. No, well, no. You beat the national average by like five times. That's good. <laughs> I try to keep doing that with everything. But, but honestly, my, my first love, I love everything about alcohol. I, just, I can see why. Since I was a young girl, uh, my father's, like my, sip, uh, my first sip of my father's whiskey and ginger just set me on this decades-old love affair of alcohol and I love everything about it like I love the flavors mm. I love the ingredients I love how it's made I love the conviviality about it sure. I, I just uh, just really enjoy it um, everything about it so that's been my journey in my professional career is really uh, I started in the beer business in 1984 um, I was lucky enough to be in the right place at the right time. Absolutely. And um, Jim Cook, who is the founder of Boston Beer Company, makers of Samuel Adams, yes. Boston Lager, uh, helped, asked me to help him start a beer company. So, so can I ask, being sure, a woman... you can ask was, anything. <laughs> being a woman, was that like a more difficult like that thing that you did? I mean, it sounds to me like beer is such a like man's game. Well, ironically, um, the alcoholic beverage industry, particularly back in the 80s, there weren't any women unless they were born into a family yeah. that were brewers or winemakers or distillers. There just weren't. Um, 
And so people ask me that all the time. What's it like to be a woman in a man's business? And I said, well, I don't really know what it's like to be a man. (laughs) But I can tell you, I like it. Um, it, it Did you feel like you had more hurdles than like a guy would? Um, Definitely. Totally. That was part of what helped stand out. You know, that was the real magic of of Sam Adams, beer, everything we did was different yeah. and new and innovative right. and it was a first and that was just, you peel back the onion and it was all there yeah. and I was part of it. Jim Cook is the sixth consecutive oldest son to be a brewer in his family uh-huh. and he had three Harvard degrees and was a management consultant and I was his secretary but I was moonlighting as a bartender and a waitress. I started bartending and waitressing in 15, at 15, in Peabody. Oh, geez. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. I'm in Peabody Square, there used to be called the Heifer Pub. Um, and that was my the first Heifer job Pub. at 15. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. So you, you've always been in it. I've always been. I another. love it. I just love it. It's so hard. Sometimes I, you know, occasionally I'll wake up and go, what the hell have I done? Mm-hmm. Um, I think we all say that. <laughs> I think I think that's an entrepreneurial thing, right? Where you're like, why, why am I doing this? Yeah, but I'm in it. My but heart's in the it. The payoff is, you know, you you're so successful. Uh, we'll fast forward from owner. those times. I mean, we've you know, you've evolved into your into this like, um, like flourishing flower that uh, we. <laughs> you're a flourishing what flower. What are friends for? <laughs> right? To call you a flourishing flower. Right? That, that uh, you can even say it after the whiskey that we've had. That, uh, <laughs> that you've done some really uh, innovative, cool things, in my opinion, being in the industry, that uh, I have to tip my head off to you for you know, the, the courage and mm. the risks that you've taken in yeah. this industry because it's so competitive. Uh, there's so much that's out there that. Uh, you know, it's fascinating, and you know, it's, we, I always think like, what goes into the mind of, of someone like Rhonda, that you know, gets you up every morning and just yeah. you know, pushes forward. I mean, we know how hard it is. So yeah, it's like, it's really impressive. Thank you, and you know what? It's really hard. Mm. Um, and not that I run headfirst into these things without having an idea, but I will tell you, I didn't. I didn't expect it to be as hard as it is. I guess I never do. Yeah. And you know the old expression, it takes twice as long and it costs twice <laughs> as much. Well, in the whiskey business, it takes four times as long and it costs four times as much. Oh because imagine. nothing happens fast yeah. in the whiskey business. And you really have to have a long vision. And, I mean, you think about, you know, this pre-Civil War era building with 40-foot ceilings. It's 11,000 square feet. There's people distilling. There's people bottling. There's people... You know, doing the books, there's people selling, there's bartenders, lot, all those people have to parts. get paid. Yeah. Right? And I don't get a return on my investment in these barrels for some years. I can imagine, yeah. And so that's the real interesting piece. And I knew that, but now that I'm really in it, so, you know, I, I think about three years from now, making sure I have enough whiskey. Yeah. Yeah. And you yeah. put it in a way, so, like, you know, we, we, we're, kind of, we're in the industry, but. Never think of it that way. Yeah. And it's, um, you know, at this point, I'm basically halfway to my, you know, I think it takes 10 years. How long have you? So I started the company in 2012, Boston Harbor Distillery. It's relatively new. Yeah. 
So, so just to back up, I had I went from Boston Beer Company. Um, I was executive vice president when I left the company. We had gone public. I spent 15 years helping Jim Cook make Sam Adams a household name, building one of the most highly regarded and admired sales organizations in the alcoholic beverage industry, which isn't that easy to do. (laughs) um, Just thinking about it, and and that was really remarkable. I mean, it was just an amazing 15 years, but. When we did go public finally, um, I just found myself in settings where I wasn't exactly excited to get out of bed every day. Mm-hmm. You know, I was in the board of directors, the executive committee, the management committee, all these committees, all these meetings, and I was getting further and further away from what I love, yeah. which is, you know, that whole environment of being in a bar, yeah, yeah. <laughs> being with people like yourselves. Yeah. I mean, that's how we got. You and I got to be such good friends because we really generally are passionate about the consumer experience, about providing something, you know, offering something different that doesn't exist. And if it, it, you know, it has to be better or different or just stay home. I I agree 100%. So that led me to leave Boston Beer Company and then I was inspired to start another beer company. I didn't leave to start another beer company. It just happened that the world's expert on yeast maturation. Um, Dr. Joseph Awadis called me up. He was Jim Cook's brewing consultant and asked me to help him start a beer company. Oh, wow. And so we created a beer called Edison. It was a light beer that was made from scratch to be light. And that's how I met this young man um, at Mezek in Charlestown. Charlestown. And Paul. Delios, and who was just here, ironically, the other day yeah, with his that's, donuts. That's one of our previous And guests. who our listeners yeah. have heard on our previous podcast. And so we're going to be doing some donuts together, which is really fun. Cool. Um, but that was, and I launched it on the eve of 9-11, and that was when it really, really <laughs> got hard. It was a new light beer um, going after the Giants. But uh, long story short, I really love to innovate. Like, again, why do what everybody else is doing unless right. you could do it better? So I created the first ever beer with caffeine. And it's not what you think, but it's, it was a beautiful 5% alcohol craft brewed Pilsner beer and a beautiful brown bottle with trace amounts of caffeine. And it was called Moonshot. Huh. And it was 100 billion Hundred billion dollars of beer consumed annually, and today it's 110 billion Jeez. of beer consumed annually in the United States alone. Wow. And if you were a beer lover and you wanted a little pick me up, huh. depending on what time of day you wanted that, you would have to leave beer to go to something else. Yeah. So Dr. Wadies and I, um, cre- you know, created Moonshot, and we had a patent in four countries on the process of adding caffeine to beer and ale. That's wild. And so, unfortunately, um, you know, I'm not the brewer, and, uh, but I know enough to be dangerous. But <laughs> Dr. Wadies was, and he, unfortunately, was sick. He's in his 80s, and he was dying. And I, he, he told me to go see this other brewing consultant who ended up actually giving the process that we use to impart malt beverages, which is beer and ale, yeah. uh, with caffeine mm. and that was four loco and panther juice 
Oh, wow. And they ended up getting us all shut down. Yeah, I was going to say that. So that's if a... you go to the TTB website, it's the only thing since Prohibition that actually has been banned. There oh, I yeah. am. That's funny. But, you know, like, I'm a mother of three. And I, I, would, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't, you know, you got to draw the line about where you make money and, and <laughs> what, you, what you do is right. Like well, they, yeah. the, the FDA should have regulated it instead of banning it. They yeah. should have said parts per million of caffeine to percentage alcohol. If you go over that, you're done. done. But they didn't. They okay. just outright banned it. Well, so, But that silver lining is it led me here. Okay. Because my first love was always whiskey. Correct. And when Jim Cook asked me to help him start a beer company, I said, you know what, Jim, the only problem is I don't really drink beer. <laughs> I like whiskey. Yeah. And so he promised that he would make something that I would like. And, of course, he did. And uh, But whiskey, ironically, starts off as the same process as, as beer. beer. Interesting. I never knew that. So I've trademarked the evolution of beer. Oh, cool. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Because that's what it is. But that's really for the Spirit of Boston line that we have, which is actually we're taking Sam Adams beer. We've, we've distilled some trillium. We'll do some other probably local, locally so cool. made beers, yeah. and we'll distill them, which is really, really interesting. I think I saw something on the way in here, walk into the distillery. Called the Spirit of Boston. Yes. Yeah. And that's what we do. We take finished beer right before it goes into a bottle or a keg, so it's the freshest beer you could possibly right. find. Because beer goes downhill once it's in the bottle. Yeah. It doesn't age well. It doesn't yeah. travel well. It's like a, a new car right going off the lot. You know, it loses its value. <laughs> That's what I love about whiskey. I know, and I, I'm, I'm actually responsible for giving the thumbs up to everything that goes into the bottle. So I know once it goes into that Don't bottle. Mind me. <laughs> cheers to you. Cheers. Cheers. That it's you know that's the great thing about whiskey and spirit in general. So can is I, that I'm just going to jump in and say something completely unscripted and off the cuff. I don't drink much hard liquor. And um, I took a sip of Forti's drink, and I requested a glass myself. It is so good. It is so smooth. smooth. And none of the stuff that, like, turns me off of whiskey. Yeah. Like, that's an honest-to-God opinion right now because I'm having it right now. Well, thank so you. So I just wanted to just say that because, it, I, it, like, you could ask anybody. Ask my wife. Me having some whiskey, she's like, no way. <laughs> Wait till you go home and, and tell it. Yeah. yeah, it'll be on. Yeah, yeah. we'll have to take a picture yeah. of you. <laughs> the evidence. <laughs> well, that's kudos to my distillers. They're fantastic. And Absolutely. the passion and the quality is there. So, unfortunately, um, New Century Brewing Company, which was the name of my beer company that made Edison and Moonshot, was the first brewing company of the millennium, I think, which is why I named it New Century. Um, I just lost heart after they shut down Moonshot. Mm. Um, and, but the silver lining is it led me here to Boston Harbor Distillery and my first love, which is making whiskey. See how things work out in life. See? Yeah, yeah. that's great. Full circle. Now, here you are. Um, and we're in this amazing building that has some history to it, correct? Yes. Um, that's what I, I... I knew I wanted to make whiskey. My husband's a builder, so we were out looking for a distillery one day out yep. in Southie and South Boston, and the traffic was so bad on the highway. Hmm. He's like, let's go down there and have a, a cocktail. There's a Venezia restaurant in the Boston winery. Yeah. <laughs> That's the boiler we're distilling right now. <laughs> Don't worry. That's pretty cool. Don't worry. Um, so we rolled in, and there's this 
beautiful 11,000 square foot building that was all boarded up and dilapidated, falling down, <laughs> which happened to be a junk collector's warehouse at the time. And oh, he wow. said, there's your distillery. I'm like, that piece of shit. <laughs> and he's like, that piece of shit. Um, so we came in the next day with the landlord and, you know, absolutely fell in love with this building. Yeah. And I knew I wanted to make whiskey, but I, I didn't, did not have a brand idea. And in New Century Brewing Company and Boston Beer Company, of course, we had brand ideas that we built a business around. This was real special because I was building a business. I didn't have a brand, and I was going to just make custom spirits for enthusiasts, aficionados, restaurateurs, the total wines of the world. Right. Um, and as we were in here, like, painting and working one night, it literally came to me, well, why don't I make a whiskey and call it Putnam? Because this whole 18-acre parcel here right. was uh, built by Silas Putnam. And that Putnam is a very big name right. in New England. Um, Silas automated the uh, horseshoe nail manufacture. Oh, really? And he supplied both sides of the Civil War. Wow. He had government contracts right here so where we're sitting. So they made horseshoes here? They made horseshoe, yeah. In this building. It's crazy. Horseshoe nails. Nails. Yeah. nails. The nails. The nails. Yeah. Isn't that awesome? That is really cool. Um, yeah, so on my, so I, you know, horses and whiskey are somewhat, the imagery is somewhat yeah. extricably linked, and I yeah. thought, how the hell am I ever going to get horses in Boston together? And <laughs> there, sure enough, it was in the walls the whole time. That's so the So the logo on the label is actually from his um, business, both of them, the horseshoe and the pea, and the horse and rider. Uh, was from his company. The horse and rider actually is his uncle, has some lineage in the family, and that is General Israel Putnam, who fought in the Revolutionary War. And the folklore is that's him leaving a tavern in Connecticut. Wow. So it's truly a New England brand. Yeah, and, yeah I love uh, it. I, so that ended the custom spirits idea because now we're making tons of whiskey. Um, but this one's interesting. We haven't had this one yet. This is the first whiskey we ever made, which is, um, it's, a, it's a malt whiskey. It's done in the same Scottish style of single malt. Okay. And there's lots of rules, by the way. Whiskey is the most regulated business in the country. Okay. Um, it goes way back to George Washington, who was a distiller in the 1700s. He actually made rye whiskey was the was America's Did whiskey. You know that? No, I didn't know that. Bourbon came fifty years later. Oh. So bourbon by law has to be made with a majority of corn. Corn, right? Yeah. Yeah. And aged in new white American oak barrels for a minimum of two years. And so why new barrels? I don't know. Maybe it was a okay. bailout for the Cooper industry pre prohibition. Oh, but yeah. today Scott Scotland actually buys ex used bourbon barrels from America and they, they use so, that for their own whiskey. So speaking yeah. of barrels, because yeah. we're, we're surrounded by all these gorgeous looking barrels that, that look just expensive. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, what, what, are the, what kind of barrels are you using, Rhonda? We are using, uh, well we have four different cooperages that we work with. Uh, two in Missouri, one in Minnesota, and one in South Carolina. And our barrels are all toasted first. 
which is like the seasoning. Yep. They're laid out in the elements wherever they're made um, for a minimum of 18 months. And then we do a, uh, depending on what we're making, but for the most part, we're doing a heavy char. So you can choose one, two, three, four, um, maybe even five. We do like, you could see the black rim. Right. Um, that is a heavy alligator char so that when the, the new make goes in, it comes off the still by law, whiskey has to come off at 160 proof. And vodka, by law, has to come off at 190 proof. Hmm. So... That's why vodka's cleaner yeah. and basically tasteless because yeah. you're stripping out all of those good flavors. Yeah, I call yeah, it yeah. an alcohol delivery system. There you go. <laughs> but I like flavors I, in mine. It's like the yeah. IV version. Right, you see it. Vodka and soda, could you get any less tasteless? No, hook me up. <laughs> or more tasteless, I guess. So um, the thing with whiskey, but by law, it has to go into the barrel at at or below 125 proof. Yeah. So it comes off at 160, then we, we smith it down with, with demineralized water, and then it goes into the barrel until ready. That's so cool. Yeah. And hence this. So this first smooth. whiskey that we ever made is 100% malted barley. So it's two row uh, malted barley that's been. Um, it's just really great quality. We get it from the same uh, barley maker that I got my beer malt from. Okay. And that was Brees Malt. And they're in the best growing region of the United States. It's in northern Wyoming and southern Montana. But we also add, um, we, we use like 20% of a chocolate malt, hmm which was the mash bill, which it's called when you build a whiskey. Yeah. You know, it's, it's basically the grain bill. Mm-hmm. Um, down the street in Lower Mills, Dorchester, is uh, the Walter Baker Chocolate Factory. That's right. And that is America's oldest chocolatier. So that was the inspiration for the mash bill. Is that by Adams Street in Dorchester? Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly so cool. where you're it like, is. You're, you're like so, we call it, you know, all of our stuff is New England style. And, and, and that was, you know, as I got into it, I knew I wanted to make whiskey. I was in love with whiskey. I am really in it, even it sh- more. It shows. Like, <laughs> I feel it just from listening to you. I, like I said, I've, I've tried whiskey a million times, just no interest. And I'm like, pour me glass. Yeah, we get that a lot. You know, we're open for tours uh, for the public. We do yes. VIP tours that you can book online. But people come in and they're like, yeah, I know whiskey and we're like you know what this is the t- place to try it uh, just for the audience what's your website it's uh, bostonharbordistillery.com okay thank you and uh, they do they try and they go wow that's good because they haven't had whiskey it, like it, this I mean honestly it really really is it, and it, that silky smoothness is really our yeah. trademark that and, I yeah. mean that you already sold me yeah, yeah well <laughs> you have to try this one too this is just uh, a beautiful you know this Germ. really big Rich, chocolatey toffee. Oh wow! It's gorgeous. You could actually smell it. Smell it. Oh wow! Smell that. Mm. Isn't that good? Yeah. yeah this is I yeah. <laughs> this is a hundred proof. Um, so the rye that we've been sipping on is eighty-six proof. So this is fourteen. Oh wow. Proof points higher. <laughs> I mean, I've had my share of 
whiskeys, scotches, what have you. I mean, I don't think I've had anything that really compares to either or from a um, texture, flavor, uh, quality. Um, it's so palatable that whether you're yeah, so whether, like, whether you're a novice, but that's the thing. Like, or whether you're, I'm just an saying, expert, I like the taste of it. Period. He can actually give a good description of why it's good. <laughs> There's just everything about it. I mean, from every, it's an you know from the introduction. Like once something hits your palate, it's all about sensation. Yeah, and the sensation is what leads to everything else. And then you have your flavors, and you have your your finishes, but it's so well balanced that um, I have to you know commend you on the whole process that you just mentioned. I mean, it, I've seen a lot of production out there that. You know, they rave about how they're considered, you know, of the best. And sometimes it's like, yeah, it's good, but it's not that good. Yeah. Because of it, it's not as balanced as what you have here. Yeah. And some people don't like balance. I mean, it's all, it's like the same as the beer business, you know. Right. There's, There's all like sour beers and yeah. gozes and, you know. I think those that, are just trends. Um, I rarely see folks that actually are dedicated and loyal to certain styles mm -hmm. but when it comes to whiskey though mm. um, I, I beg to differ I think the, you know there is um, something about whiskey that really settles in with, with consumers I mean obviously everyone likes to explore we do live in times where there's variety you know and yeah. you know we're lots of choice. curiosity mm -hmm. and choices and so forth but I think this brings it back to the basics yeah. you know very well made and Thank you. I mean, and for me, I, you know, given that I, I was lucky enough to be the co-founder of, of Samuel Adams, you know, Boston <laughs> Beer Company. I can't believe that we're here with Ron. Oh, yeah, I'll I'll please. I swear to God. You've been here. We've had plenty of good times together. But, um, but, when we started that in uh, 1984, you know, it was a very bland, pale landscape, and, and American beer was a joke. Yeah. Particularly all the servicemen coming is, back from Germany and Europe that, and Belgium. Oh, yeah, is it yeah, safe yeah. to say that was actually the point in the beer industry where the term microbrewery was kind of the thing? Well, actually, as these trends happen, they do start San Francisco north. All right. And uh, they were microbreweries up there. But when we started Boston Beer Company, we were really the first ones on the East Coast. Right. Wow. And I'll be honest, it was, wasn't until it was like three years in, like 88 89, um, I was selling uh, Sam Adams to Candlestick Park in, in San, San Francisco, Francisco, and they're like, you can't call yourself a micro because you're here 3,000 miles away. So I went back to Jim. I said, we got a problem here, Houston. And uh, he literally, I, I'm almost positive, like I was there for it, that he was the guy that literally coined the, the phrase craft beer. Craft. That's crazy. Because I always, like, I always, I always <laughs> question the term, like the difference between why micro and why craft. Like what would be the difference and why did we kind of interchange the term? There you have it. <laughs> there we go. Wow. See? So Only what, on this podcast. What can, uh, what can we see in uh, the future? Well, that's why I made this single malt. And um, in some ways, I, I called it a single malt but that is really in America. Again, the most regulated business in the country is whiskey. Mm. In America, the, the TTB, the federal government, doesn't recognize single malt as a category. Oh, mm. interesting. Only for scotch and Irish. 
whiskey. And Irish whiskey and Scotch whiskey have to be made there. A lot of people walk in the door, oh, you guys make Scotch? No, we would have to be in Scotland for that. <laughs> but in fact, we're in Boston, and that was exactly the reason why, for me, this, this malt whiskey is proof that Americans can make great whiskey. You see, it's an ingredient story, just like craft beer is. And all of those pale pilsners that Sam Adams really went head on against, if you will, just here's whole grains and here's the corn-based beers. Right. Bourbon is corn. Yes. Yeah. Right? And I'm using whole grains here. I'm not making bourbon here. Because I was sort of anti-corn for 30 years in the beer business. Mm. So that, this is really proof that Americans can make great malt whiskey as well. Very cool. And you are the pioneer of it. No, no. There's, no? there's a small coalition of us out there. Again, okay. most of it started in the Northwest. Um, so there's some, some major brands up there that have already, you know, they've attracted some strategic partners like Remy Martin. Um, and uh, it's, it's a big business, the whiskey yeah. business. I mean, I thought beer, you know, I, I understood that I, I knew the Bushes, you know. I knew the, the revolving door of presidents at, at Miller. And I know Pete Coors. Like, I knew these guys, and they're really smart, and they're really well-funded. But honestly, yeah. they don't hold a candle to the guys that are in the liquor business. Okay. The Diageos, the Pernod Ricard. I mean, these are Remy Martin, Louis Vuitton, yes. Moet Hennessy. The best marketers in the world, 200-year-old yeah. legacy companies, mm. they know what the hell they're doing. This <laughs> is a hard business. So, you know, if, with Sam Adams, you could actually see that it was different than a Budweiser. Correct. Yeah. You could see the difference. You could smell the difference. You could taste, taste the, the difference. difference. This you can't really see. And somebody's got to spend 40 or $80 a bottle to taste it, to taste that difference. So it's really, truly about brand building yeah. more than I've ever seen. Because we have to give people a reason to believe. But I'm born and raised here. Where I've always lived within 20 miles of here. My husband's mother and my mother are from Dorchester. That's where we are. Badass. But <laughs> I just saw a white space for whiskey making in Boston and really in New England. And I, I don't see why we can't enjoy that same yeah. you know, terroir. As you're, you're like a Boston treasure. Oh, thank you. So we got to And this is, too. Yeah, this Boston Harbor Distillery is quintessentially Boston. Absolutely it is. So we need to let our listening audience know that now that they've got to listen to Rhonda and um, how fascinating, how great she is, oh. you know, you know, where, you know, it's found locally in a lot of retailers. Um, they can come to the distillery if they want to kind of pay a visit and buy some. They of, could do a tour. They could do right? a tour. Oh, yeah. Yep. Um, but I definitely highly recommend to all of our listeners, for those that enjoy whiskey or for those that are kind of like intrigued um, if you're going to spend the money to try spend it with Putnam and Boston Harbor Distillery as your entry to the whiskey world thank you 100% my recommendation and you know whiskey people are a little afraid of it I was when I about two hours ago when I walked in here (laughs) right so here's the great (laughs) thing about unlike beer which for the most part needs to be cold, so mm-hmm. schlepping around a cooler yeah. full of beer and ice all the time was a real pain in the butt. But what I love about this, too, is, A, it doesn't, you know, you could buy a bottle and it's not going to go bad on you. Mm. Two is you can drink it any way you want. You can have it neat. Mm-hmm. You can put a little 
eyedropper of water, which has a tendency to open up the whiskey and lets it, water and whiskey and wood are really good friends. They work mm, okay. really well together. You could put it on ice. You could put it in a cocktail. Um, you know, sometimes if I've had a lot too much to drink, I might pour some water with just a little bit of whiskey, so then I have whiskey-flavored water. So, <laughs> I never thought of that. I you do whatever you want. Like, just, well, what, there's no your, right way to drink what's it. What's your standard go-to yeah, way to you, drink What does Rhonda like to drink? Well, you know, we're here at the distillery, it's work, um, but we will constantly be tasting these barrels right. because they change and we have to know. So you like to drink from the barrel? So, well, that's cast strength. So that's somewhere between 100, usually, you know, like 115 and 125 proof. Sometimes the proof goes up to 128, depending on what goes on. Each of these little barrels are are really a a treasure of their own. They're no two alike. You know, the DNA of the barrels are all different. That's interesting. That's really cool. You know, we just bottled on Friday last week uh, a single barrel rye that came out at 122 proof, but it was just from one barrel. And so normally for the the rye that we were drinking, we all blend six or eight barrels together and we try to get our signature smoothness. But that one barrel was just so good. Oh, wow. We didn't want to infect it with anything else. The variation of every barrel. So that's when you hear about single barrel or cast strength. So if the bottle says 86 proof, we have to then proof it down with the same demineralized water that we use to smith down the barrel to go Mm. from 160 to 125 or below. If the bottle says 86, again, very highly regulated, we better make sure that when we bottle it, it's 86. I see. There's an Anton parts, an expensive little machine that measures that. Yeah, it's yeah, it is. It's it's really the. So the, you're a chemist. I am not. Uh, <laughs> it I'm sounds just, like it. I have a very good palate. You speak it well. I, I, yeah, I've got a good well, nose. It might be the you really taste talking. with your nose, <laughs> though. You really taste with your nose. Like you smell something. I can. Yeah. And then you can get a sense of what that is going to yeah. be on your palate. And often whiskey, some whiskey from Texas, for example, like I literally smell, you know, manure. Because it's in a farm, it's on a farm or barn or horses or pigs or whatever's around there. You can, and some people love that. Yeah, uh, it's not for me necessarily. <laughs> I'm a little bit more refined. I like the softer, silkier stuff. Mm. But it, there's so many different ways to enjoy whiskey, and that's really what this is. This place was built to to be a center of education which Boston is for the world, yes. and why not have it here for whiskey? And we also make small batch rum, and we make liqueurs, and we distill beer into what tastes like whiskey. And uh, I actually got a yeah. fascinating education today being yeah. here. Right. Well, thank you for being here. No, thank you for having us. So um, I wanted just to mention again um, the website, bostonharbordistillery.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, the address? The address is the port on Boston Harbor, which is 12R, as in rear, <laughs> Erickson Street. Um, it's a very it's cool in the, spot. in the Ponset section of Dorchester. Yeah. You have to go through a neighborhood. Please respect my neighbors. <laughs> go slow, and uh, you'll find us. Just follow the water. Just go to the water, and there we'll be. And Just don't go into the water. Quite, it's a great room out there. You have events here? We do, yeah. We um, actually, right before the Improper Bostonian went out of business, they they awarded us the best uh, event it's space in Boston, space. 
Wow. Yeah. And, uh, it is a gorgeous space. Well, thank you. Yeah, it's uh, we have 140 people um, max, um, but we also our cocktail bar is open on Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays. Cool. We do tours. You can sign up for really a deep dive VIP tour that brings you into the barrel room and uh, takes you right up close to the still that and be, all would, kinds of good that, stuff. That's a great tour to take, I think. Oh. And then um, people could also. Have events here themselves? They can yes. Rent it out? Yes, we That's have great. weddings. Oh, wow. We have um, all kinds of celebrations, corporate events, networking events. Some We've had a couple of uh, urban wine club have, events, we maybe? Bars, yeah, as long as they're with whiskey and not <laughs> <Yeah>. wine. <laughs> We've been through that. That's okay. Whiskey it is. Wine outside. There you go. Kick to the curb. There you go. <laughs> it's called Urban Wine Club, but it's going to be a, a, yeah, you know, that w a different can type go of both uh, ways. Absolutely. But you know what? We're not just oh, about my wine. gosh. You have to try this. We have a uh, Putnam Rye yeah. barrel that's finished in Boston Winery is my neighbor, yeah. my landlord ah. actually, in their Cobb Franc barrels. And we're going to have to try that. Uh, it's absolutely. so delicious because that red wine just gives it another layer of complexity. Oh, that sounds it so It picks yeah, up a little so rubiness. Yeah, delicious. we can do this together. Oh, wow. Yeah, we could do that together. I think... Um I think we we should have our own barrel here. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And you know, all of your members can come and sign it, and we can do. They can come back and visit it every oh, six yeah. months and see how it changes. Oh, we got a lot of planning to do. I think definitely. So that <laughs> means that, that a lot means, of fun. That means our audience has to stay tuned. To, you know, we keep updating on all these cool things that we're doing. Yeah. Awesome. Well, cheers, guys. Well, thank cheers. you so cheers much. To you. Thank Lana, you. Thank you so much. Thank this you. Starting the Urban delightful. Wine and Whiskey Club. Yes, there you go. It was so nice to taste everything. It was so nice to learn everything. It was fascinating to learn about you. And a pleasure for us to be in this amazing spot, which everybody, I, we really suggest you guys get down here for a tour or for their, uh, just to hang out. Um, Hang out and meet Ron. Or if you need an, if, you, if you're having an event, come and check it out. It's it's yep. it's a truly great historic spot. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Thank, Thank you guys, you. and best of luck.